Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WIS Politics and WIS Business Podcasts. You're listening to WIS Business, the podcast, Wisconsin's business news source. Now, here's your host. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Mo here for WIS Business, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tina Chang. She's the CEO of a company based in Brookfield called SysLogic. Tina, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. So today, we're going to be discussing some current trends in cybersecurity. But first, I was hoping you could provide a brief overview of SysLogic for our listeners who aren't familiar with your company. Absolutely. So I'm really excited. Next week is our 26th anniversary. And so you can imagine 26 years in information technology. We've seen a lot. We've almost seen it all. Um, And if I once thought that we might have seen it all uh, by year 15, uh, the last decade has really proved to me we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg yet. So uh, SysLogic, our our roots really started in software development. So uh, 26 years ago, it was a lot of client-server, web-based systems were just coming. Um, now it's mobile, it's cloud, and, and we've got so many ways to go to market. Uh, but software development and software product development was at our core. Well, you could imagine that if you uh, create many transactional systems that give and get a lot of data, you naturally creep into that information management space. So over the last dozen years, building that expertise, managing, and doing something really smart with data has been become our become our next uh, core competency. An area that we're here to talk about today that really dragged us into was cybersecurity. And quite frankly, and unfortunately, it's the fastest growing part of our business. So cybersecurity is becoming relevant to everyone. And so growing a competency in it for us was a natural extension. And then finally, uh, mostly for small and medium-sized businesses, as well as government, we have a business management and planning function uh, to help those organizations that may not have their own department get to where they need to be in thinking about the next generation of digital technology. I see. Well, that definitely gets our interview off on the right foot because I was hoping we could dive into this concept of cyber attacks and cybersecurity a little deeper. So I've seen from one data source that um, there's been a, a really big increase in cyber attacks, especially during the pandemic, with one source showing a 600% increase in that, in that cyber crime. Can you talk a bit about what you're seeing there? And can you maybe help explain why that's happening? Sure. Well, as we all know, the rush to go remote was not predicted or under any of our control. And so for those companies and organizations that had remote workers, they were probably more prepared from a cybersecurity perspective than the rest of the world. And so for most companies, and especially those that are non-technical and in nature at their core, uh, they had to rush to enable uh, employees to be productive at home. And quite frankly, when those employees went home, they weren't prepared with the right tools or the right protocols or right best practices to protect themselves from uh, cyber crime. So everything from not necessarily having the right processes to protect against sending sensitive information over the wire, now that they weren't inside a corporate or an organizational wall, um, that happened more and more frequently. But also as, as workers went home, um, they, they ended up sharing environments 
with their families and their kids. And uh, therefore they started to share um, machines and everything else from the kids that potentially had to do schoolwork from home. And when you start to commingle uh, needs of, of your, your machines or your laptops, um, and you start downloading things that you may not have ordinarily downloaded, you're opening up yourself to a bit more vulnerability. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that a lot of people, when they think about cyber attacks, cyber crime, they may think of these like massive companies, infrastructure, things like that being targeted. While it does occur, it's also true that many cyber attacks are actually targeting like small and medium-sized businesses. Isn't that right? Absolutely. So we hear about the large attacks because those are the ones that hit the media because it's, it, it's, a, it's a, a, a critical and juicy story. Oftentimes it affects the federal government, makes it there even faster. Um, and that's important because we have to become more aware of, as citizens of how we need to protect our critical infrastructure. Because as you and I both know, if critical infrastructure that supports our financial systems or like the colonial pipeline incident that affect gas and oil, um, uh, it really hits home to us at the local level. Uh, but if it's true that cyber crime happens every 29 seconds, uh, you bet it's not just happening to the big companies. In fact, it's happening to small and medium sized companies or individuals uh, faster than ever. And broadly speaking, I was hoping you could talk about any other trends you're seeing in the cybersecurity space. And with that question, I'm hoping you can kind of tell business leaders here in Wisconsin what they should know about this evolving cybersecurity conversation. Absolutely. So I don't think it's any secret that ransomware is one of the fastest growing attacks uh, that we are all experiencing. And if you didn't know what ransomware was, you know, five years ago, you're certainly starting to hear it more and more today. And the reason why ransomware is becoming more and more prevalent is you think about it a decade ago, especially two decades ago, it wasn't the norm that everybody had an email. But from a ransomware perspective, the easiest way to get into a private network is to go and attack you and I as individuals and plan our human nature of just being more trustworthy than we should be. So we tend to click on things or give away information or open up attachments that we shouldn't be. And as soon as you do that, you're opening up again yourself to vulnerability. So uh, ransomware is a direct result to us needing to learn to have less trust. And in some senses, that's, that's such a sad reality. In our industry, we start to call it zero trust. But it's this idea of zero trust uh, verify before you believe, verify before you click or give information, and, and then we can start to protect ourselves a little bit more. But with ransomware, it's, it's quite simple. Anywhere that somebody can monetize data or getting sensitive information, monetize that today or hold on to it and monetize it in the future, um, they're looking for those opportunities and those opportunities exist everywhere. So it could be the small and medium-sized company that is completely crippled and they cannot be down for more than a day of business that is willing to pay thousands of dollars just to get uh, their systems unlocked. Or it could be a much larger organization um, that for some reason has really sensitive data and needs to just make sure that um, they get it back. Um, those are not good situations to be in. And quite frankly, we, we end up paying for um, our ability to be free again when, when really we shouldn't be paying. 
we shouldn't be reacting to the ransomware. It only proliferates the problem. Well, I appreciate you giving that overview on the subject for me and for our our listeners. It's been really interesting, Tina. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. You've been listening to WISP Business, the podcast. Now stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Ben Miller from University Relations here at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and we're a proud sponsor of WISP Politics and WISP Business Podcast. Did you know that almost 80% of UW-Madison's in-state students return to live and work in Wisconsin in the years after graduation? And almost half of all UW-Madison alumni are current Wisconsin residents. That's just one way we're driving our economy forward. UW-Madison is working for Wisconsin.